Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Man, oh man, and by the end of this episode, you are going to be so glad that you are here as well. Today, everyone, we have Marcel Becker with us, who I've done a little bit of life with and been inspired by. Marcel? Welcome to Scent 315. Good morning, Kevin. It's my privilege to be here. I'm so happy. This is going to be fun because we've spent time together and all of those conversations seem that way to me, but especially here. Right before we came on a gentleman who is doing a spectacular job in the parking lot behind us, came in and said he needed to tell us something, that he heard you speak at a rehab ranch Mm -hmm. that we fully support, Restoration Ranch, Brian Storm, two thumbs up. And he said, hearing your talk on dividends, which I have heard a very simple, powerful message helped change his life. And so that was a pretty good introduction. We probably should have had him do it. But uh, one of the things that, that we were sharing is the Lord is so gracious sometimes to show us some of the fruit of our labor. That's what a lot of your life is about right now for a long time, is about helping people through the things that you've gone through. On the back of a book that's got a beautiful picture of Marcel, kind of a before and after, it's called Free at Last. And a member of our Scent 315 helped you with this, a great writer, Wes Fulkerson. And this is what uh, is written on the back cover. Abused and isolated, Marcel Becker ended up on his own at the age of 15. And his descent into the cycle of a addiction, and incarceration, an outlaw biker, a criminal mastermind, and the sole target of a multi-agency federal task force. When Marcel received custody of his children, however, he knew he had to make a change. Breaking out of his old life was full of struggle, uncertainty, and setbacks, a story of redemption and triumph. So you guys, that's who we're talking to today. So Marcel, let's just open it up and focus a little bit on why the book? Why'd you, why'd you write this? Well, you know, Kevin, uh, about 10 years ago, I started working with um, the Second Chance program here in San Diego, and it's a program that really focuses on disrupting the cycles of incarceration and poverty and and helps folks that have been gone for a lengthy prison time uh, re-enter themselves into the community. I mean, a lot of things change. Take yourself out of the picture for a number of years, and then you try and plug yourself back in. Oftentimes, it's a totally different world than the one that you left. And uh, at that time, there are some difficult challenges that you have to kind of work your way through. And oftentimes, at that time, is when you realize that you've got a a really deep hole to climb out of. And that is when a lot of folks think it's too big and too much, and they give up and they go back to what they know. So the book is to help people realize that being an ex-offender is not, you know, that black cloud you can never crawl out from under. It is not end of uh, everything and that there are opportunities. You just really just got to realize that and focus on being able to turn things around. And the book is purposed to just provide a little hope and inspiration. It really does too. And, And our buddy who came in and said, hey, I've got to tell you how Marcel touched my life. One of the things that was important to him is that you've been through it. You can speak to his life. This is a book of your life and your experiences and real challenges. I want every single listener to buy this book, if not for themselves, for somebody else, because it gives hope for the people that are in that situation, but it also gives hope to some moms and some dads and some brothers and sisters and friends who go, I don't have hope. And this does that. You know, I started getting in the mix as I 
affectionately referred to it the dark side when I was a pretty young man. And the next thing I knew, you know, I woke up as a, a five-time loser. You know, I'd done served time in maximum security penitentiaries in three states, you know, five different terms. And I'd just become a really bad guy. And it seemed like there was uh, no end in sight. When I uh, decided to give it up, I didn't really decide that on my own. Came home from my fifth prison term, and uh, my ex-wife had custody of my children, and, and she showed up and said, here you go. I've taken care of them over the last five years. Now it's your turn. Wow. And I became an instant parent, you know, and it was at that time that I realized things needed to change. It, it was very powerful for me because there was no alternative. I had to get this right or those kids, if I screwed up and went back to jail or did whatever, you know, they would become wards of the state. I mean, your childhood was rough. You didn't want your kids to go through anything no. like that. So you're picking yourself up kind of by your bootstraps. What opportunities presented themselves? Well, I tell you, there are some challenges to seeking employment as a felon. Although they're, they're not insurmountable, there are some. And just a series of events brought me down to the San Diego waterfront and I was able to get an entry-level position in one of the shipyards and because I didn't make a whole lot of money uh, I also for a period of time had to bounce a strip club a couple nights a week just to close the gap financially to support the kids and pay the rent and things like that. Yeah we've got that saying in our family and other families a man's got to do what a man's got to do so you did what they let you do and what, right. you know, and then I see now you're one of those men that rise to the top. You take leadership. You use your mastermind abilities where it was in the dark side for the, the benefit of your employer, for your own benefit personally, and tons of stuff in the community as well. So tell us a little bit more about, okay, Shipyard and how that graduated into other positions of responsibility and, and success. So, Kevin, you know, the, the Shipyard, it's dirty. The work is hard. It's difficult. It doesn't attract, let's say, the creme de la creme of society, you know. And so there is a lot of opportunity if, if you apply yourself and you're, you're willing to, to commit, you're trainable and you're willing to learn, they will give you opportunities to advance. And then they will also invest in you. It's hard to get training for that industry outside of the industry. So they are accustomed to making investments into their people. And I showed promise and I had the good fortune of having a couple mentors that really invested in me and put me on a path. One of the most rapid ascensions into program management that they had, they had ever seen. I went from, uh, you know, minimum wage to about $60,000 a year in less than eight years. Yeah. And at that time in, in the uh, 90s, that was pretty good. Yeah. So I'll fast forward, you end up the president of the company. Basically, you're rising to the top of your industry where you're knocking it out of the park. You're not struggling to survive. Things have changed. By so many different metrics, you're successful. And then something happens, probably even a bigger change in your life. You know, I thought that I had achieved everything that I was pursuing, being recognized in business as an accomplished professional, owning my own company, the targets that I had set for myself and was so focused on achieving and very uh, important to me for more reasons. You know, this was to validate that I was no longer that second-class citizen, that five-time loser, you know, an addict who's been to prison five times and things like that. I was trying to erase that from my resume and validate this is who I am. And so one day I wake up and I realize that I've accomplished everything 
that I have set out to do. And I said to myself, man, this can't be it. And one of the reasons was that, you know, even though I was successful, I was in my uh, third failed marriage. Marriage was circling the drain, drinking like a fish, you know. And although I had accomplished and achieved all these things, it it just didn't taste good, so to speak. You know what I mean? It just didn't taste good. And one day I was invited to go down to the local watering hole by my friend Jay, who you and I both my know. My friend too, yes. Right? He's a San Diego motorcycle cop, and he and I went down to the watering hole. And we were down there solving all the world's problems. And Jay, just at the right time, I'd had just enough to drink, and he had timed it perfectly where he invited me to go to church with him the next morning, and I agreed to it. Of course you did, and of course you did. Yeah. The next morning rolls around, I hear two sets of pounding, and I can't figure out, my my head is pounding, and there's another set of pounding, and I don't know what it is, and then I realized that it was Jay at the front door to take me to church. (laughs) And uh, you know Jay, He's, he's a guy that you don't say no to. And so we went to church. I literally felt at any moment the place could hit by lightning just because I was sitting there. And I really felt awkward. And then the pastor started to deliver the message. And it was as if that message was tailored for me exactly what I needed to hear at that time. It was a message about simplifying your life, removing some of the clutter, and giving yourself an opportunity to focus on the Lord and open up your life and, and dedicating you know, some time and space to things other than work. And it was so appropriate at that time, I just couldn't not go back. This speaks to so many people in my mind because there are people who who have lost hope, like I said, for people that are in their family that they've been praying for for so long. Also people who say, I don't have any hope. It's just too hard and I can't do it. But people in this story came alongside you at times and they invested in you. They invested you in work. They invested in you like Jay's unorthodox approach to evangelism. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Good job, Jay. And also at church, and there are many and women who are listening right now who are just like this guy that came alongside you at church because you were unchurched yes sir yes sir i was unchurched and i did not feel like i belonged there in fact i felt like i was offending god just by walking in there you know i felt that my life i'd done such wrong that it was offensive to the lord for me to be sitting in a church suggesting that there might be redemption for me there was a good man by the name of Pastor Paul Risher, who was the integration pastor at Skyline Church, whom I met after going a weekend or two. He kind of saw a new face and came up alongside me and introduced himself. I kind of gave him the the 411 introduction of this is who I am, you know, kind of hoping that, you know, he'd be like, get away from me. You're, You're not meant for this group. But he actually, you know, embraced me. And he said, look, man, he said, anything you need, let me know. Let's go to lunch and talk. We went to lunch and talk, and I asked him some questions about the message and about a couple of other things. He was just an absolute saint, patiently told me things that closed the gap for me from what the message to some of the detail of what the intent was and context, I guess is what you would say. But he really, really took the time to explain to me so much, much more and walk me through and speak 
spoon-feed me to the faith. And it was just a introduction that was absolutely amazing. It was so pivotal in my journey that, yeah. you know, him taking taking there and holding my hand and literally walking me through different parts of the Bible and what the context was, even the history of the period and stuff like that. And I was like a sponge. I was taken, and he was so patient. Truly an amazing experience. You know, I got to tell you, when I'm reading the Bible, I kind of put myself into the story. Where am I at in the story? In this, I really want people to hear this. Like the pastor did his job. He gave the message that the Lord gave him. And so many times people think it was just for me. Yeah, like Jay told him my story and he created a sermon for me because the Holy Spirit really drives it home. And maybe you're the Jay in this story. But I'll tell you what, the Christians that are listening, and this is primarily a podcast for Christians to get better at sharing Jesus with other people. They are all the integration pastors. That's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to a whole bunch of integration pastors, but it takes some sacrifice. It's not just a 30-something minute sermon. It's getting into Marcel's life and spending and investing some time. And so we've got people coming into our churches and we don't know them, and we don't know what's going on in their head and what their experience has been, but we have a responsibility to do it, both inside and outside the church walls. And that's what Paul did, and I would hope that people would see themselves in that part of the story too. Now, in your church journey, there were some struggles in it because church is full of people. There's letdown, there's frustration, all sorts of things can happen, and, and you openly share that part in the book. You left the church, and you said it was a really, really bad decision. And I want to speak to those people who are having a frustrating time at their church. What did you learn about leaving church was a bad idea? This is difficult for me to talk about. It was a very, very painful experience for me because, you know, I, I was so excited about my faith journey and all that I was learning and, more importantly, all that I was feeling. You know, the stuff that words can't describe, mm -hmm. you know, the confidence that you get that, you know, whatever you're going through, you're going to be okay. The, the realization that things that you thought were important maybe are not so important. Just this whole new life beginning, and I was so excited about that, I just couldn't get enough. And I was really just heavily invested, attending regularly, I was serving, I was tithing, I was volunteering, and then I encountered a huge disappointment that caused me to step away from the church. And it, it wasn't anything with the church, it was just a you know human failing, but it really hurt me. And so I said to myself, I'm never going to go back to organized religion. I should have known better, you know. I walked away, and then I come across folks that they say, Lord spoke to me, or I heard the Lord say this, and, and you know, the Lord's never uh, spoken to me in, in a fashion that I recognize it as being the Lord talking to me, right? But the night that my son was killed in an accident, I felt the Lord spoke to me then. So then I decided that no matter what, I was going back. And are you glad? <laughs> glad is the understatement. Okay. I am more than glad. Marcel, this is just the tip of the iceberg in this very, very easy to read book. I talk to people who don't think they're sharing their faith because they're not hyper, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and on the street corner and all of that. But this 
this book and this service that you provide to people that don't have hope, if that's not sharing Jesus, I'm confused about it because so much of the time when the Lord takes us through that long, dark tunnel and he's with us and he sustains us while we're trying to do it and he's patient with us like Paul, mm-hmm. then we have a responsibility to invest that in other people. You're a fantastic example of that and I applaud your efforts on that and you're continuing learning about what all of that faith sharing is all about. Is there one message that you really want to pass along to the folks that are listening? The the message I have is keep the faith. No matter where you're at or what happens, the wrongs you've done, you know, whatever, there is no hole too deep. There is nothing that you can't, as long as you're breathing and you have vital signs, you can come back. The most difficult time for people that have made the decision that I'm going to change. You know, you can you can tell an addict they need to quit, they need to quit, but until they make the decision, say, hey, I'm going to quit, it's not going to happen. But oftentimes when they make that decision at that time, everybody takes kind of an inventory of, okay, I'm going to quit, what have I got to do? And that's when the gravity and the enormity of all the past sins, and that is a very fragile, very fragile period. And people at that time often think that, oh my goodness, I've dug a hole so deep that I can never crawl out of it. And that is the period of time that we need to get that message to them that nothing is so bad that you can't recover from. He'll bring you through it and you can come out the other side. And so many times there's these stuttering steps. Right. right, because you run, you run out of hope, especially when you, you know, bridges are burned over and over mm-hmm. again. Especially when drug abuse is part of it, and so you, when somebody wants to, you dive into it and you try helping them, and and sometimes it's with money and work and, and just sitting on literally on the curb of the street and believing in them, and then all of a sudden there's this little ray of hope. I've got a young friend and was in that situation and some people came alongside when he thought everybody just thought he was a piece of dirt. I got a call from an unknown phone number. He's incarcerated and I'm looking for him right now and I can't find him because there's some glitch in the system so I can't track him down, but I will. And I can only imagine with that, whatever happened that ended him back in, in jail, I can only imagine how defeated and how miserable he feels and how here I am again, or anger because it was somebody else's fault kind of thing. But as much as we can, however we can as a community, maybe it's me, maybe it's somebody else has to just pop right back in and say, no, nope, keep the faith. You got to keep the faith. And you know, those are very vulnerable times. And I think that's one of the reasons that my story gives people hope is because quite honestly, Kevin, it's kind of hard to screw up much more than I did. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I hit all the bar marks, you know, I, I was an addict an organized crime. I was a multiple offender, did prison five times, right? So, I mean, I was a very slow learner, yet here I am. By the grace of God, here I am. My story is uh, inspirational because it's a rare day that folks find themselves in a situation as bad as as I was. And so if I can make it, they can make it. I mean, if he sees you to it, he'll see you through it. 
don't do what I did. Don't get mad about something that, you know, wasn't even worth getting mad over. Blame it God and turn your back to God. Don't do that. That's it. I mean, if I ever had a message, I would be that, you yeah. know, no matter what, keep the faith. Yeah, he deserves that. He's worthy of it. Amen, he, He's going to be with you. So many of us, we are a warning and hopefully we are an example. And I just want to let you know that uh, you're an example to me and I really appreciate your friendship. How do they get the book? We're on Amazon. Google free at last. Marcel Becker and it'll uh, pop right up there. We also have a volume discount pricing for organizations to yeah. get the book, right? Yeah, but you are in, in the book it talks about, and we'll get it on the show notes, right. you're available to speak. I would love for people to take you up on the five dividends and that simple, powerful message that's really helped so, so many people. I'm glad you spent some time with us today. It's my privilege to be here, Kevin. Thank yeah. you. Right on. Well, wherever you see yourself in this story, I want you to think about it. You know, you might be Jay, you might be Paul, you may be Marcel, or maybe, maybe you're Marcel's uh, husband wife or best friend. If that's you, then take this message of hope and just remember that you're sent.